Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. It is Sunday, August 26th. Wow, isn't that crazy that it could possibly be the end of the summer? I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in Santa Monica, California. Luckily here, the summer never ends. That's what, that's the Southern California thing, endless summer. I'm here with my sister, Julie Dolan, in uh, Dallas, Texas. How's that West Nile virus working out for you down there, Jewel? It's not so great, Liz, um, and it continues. They, we think we're going to have about six more weeks of these uh, mosquitoes. So, uh, so we have summer, but it's a lot of indoor time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and Monica Dolan, you're in Portland, Oregon, but we're going to get your vacation review later on in the show, right? Pros and cons of my two-week vacation in bed, Liz. <laughs> How could there possibly be any cons? I just, I can't <laughs> wait to hear what a vacation con could be. Um, well, I do want to remind everyone that we have loads and loads of ways for you to listen to Satellite Sisters now and also to communicate with us. So many of you download the show from iTunes, and that's great. You'll see that there are hundreds of shows there. They're all free. Just search on uh, Satellite Sisters and uh, they're all there for you forever. Uh, one of the apps that we all really like is called Stitcher. So if you have a smartphone, we would recommend that you download Stitcher. Again, totally free, and all of the shows are available to you there. Um, I find I use that more than any of the other apps that have been developed along the way. We also always post the show to our Facebook group, so if you haven't joined the Satellite Sisters group, which is different than the Satellite Sisters fan page, join the group, because then you can also post whatever you want. Um, you can do that. You can follow us on Twitter. We always tweet out a new show, and that's at Sat Sisters. And then, of course, at the plain old website, which seems kind of quaint now, doesn't it, sisters? That there's just a thing called SatelliteSisters.com. Uh, but all of the shows are posted there and, uh, and links to everything else that we've been up to. So um, just if you feel like it and you want to send us an email or post on our Facebook Facebook group, how you listen. That's actually very useful information from us, for us. So, um, so go for it. Anyway, uh, Julie, you are the royal watcher in the family. So, well, I, 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 think, I, I think everybody was watching the royal <laughs> this week, don't you? Think? <laughs> All right, let's just take a little informal poll. How many? Raise your hand, Monica and Liz. Did you go to the TMZ website and look at the p- pictures of, as we say in Texas? The naked uh, Prince Harry. <laughs> I totally went. Are you kidding? What would be what would be the alternative? Why would you not go there? Julie, I think I might be the only person in America who has not seen the pictures of the naked Prince Harry. How is that possible, Monica? Well, well not- you know, I was sort of in a little bit of a news blackout last week because I was on vacation. I mean, I heard about it, you know, on people's Facebook pages. But I, well, now I have something to do this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all right. I mean, how much of Prince Harry do you really see? <laughs> you see, you see quite a bit, Monica. You have to go see the pictures to get the full impact of Prince Harry on his Las Vegas vacation because okay. it's all there um, and it's and it's all true. And I mean, when I when I thought when I saw it, well, first of all, 
Leanne emailed immediately about it, Liz, right? She sent yes. an email to you and I like, oh, to have our daily talk show again, you know? <laughs> she just was like, this is, there were two stories, the story of the naked, naked prince and, of course, um, the story, the sad, sad story, sad but true story of the woman who killed her husband with a coffee cup, okay? So, um, but back to Prince Harry. I mean, that was just amazing. And here's my theory is that, you know, Prince Harry, God bless him, during the Olympics, he really held himself together, right? Yes. Showed up at events. He um, participated. Uh, he didn't wear any, you know, crazy Nazi uniform costume. Okay, Julie, I, I see the pictures. I see what you're talking about. <laughs> I love this, Monica, in real time. You see what the commotion is about I now. I There's some strategically placed stars over some <laughs> body parts on the TMZ site. I love it. Okay. Now I'm with the rest of America. I've seen the okay. pictures. Okay. Come right up to you. It ramps right up to speed. But I think he just held himself together as best he could, but he just can't help himself. And so there he is on vacation in Las Vegas. And he, you know, it sounds like he'd been drinking for quite some time, Mm -hmm. was very warm. He had a lot of escapades in the pool. And and I don't know. I guess there is some allure to strip um, billiards. I don't know what it is. I can't see. I can't see the fun in it myself, but um, obviously Prince Harry thought he was having a really good time. Here's my attitude. I I say, what's the point of being a prince if you can't do that? Really? He's just just like a 27-year-old kid. The government gives him unlimited amounts of money. He gets to do whatever he wants. He never is going to have to have a real job, so he doesn't have to worry about resume building. It's not like if this appears on his Facebook page, his future employer is not going to hire him. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he, Prince Harry is like the definition of nothing to lose, right? So 27, drunk, nothing to lose. This is what you're going to get. And I also think that kind of naked billiard room behavior, it's the same thing his family has been doing for generations and generations. They've just been doing it in their own palaces with their own cousins. That's what I think. I agree with you, Liz. I think a lot of this bad bad behavior is going on in all, on all those estates and palaces throughout England. Now, it was interesting. In England, because of decency laws, they couldn't actually publish the picture in all those, you know, in uh, London is famous for having lots of different uh, newspapers that love to put wild stories on the covers. There's lots of naked women at all times in the British press. But because of some decency law or respect for the royalty, that there was so, sort of this news blackout that Monica, I guess, is sort of like what you were participating <laughs> Yes, I was. I was just trying to respect the royals, Julie. <laughs> Empire heard about the naked Prince Harry, but they didn't actually get to see see him in the press. But and they went and the British press went so far. This was incredible to reenact the photo with other people, and they put that in their paper. Okay, 
Now that is Okay, that is crazy because obviously everyone in the UK could do what Monica just did, which is look it up on the internet. You know, it's still going to be on the internet, even if your own local newspapers don't run it. So it just shows like the news blackout that the British royal family has been in for about a generation. If they think that by making sure it's not in the newspapers that then nobody will see it. I think everybody's seen it by now. I really do think Monica was the last. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, Vegas, it's just like a lot of drinking starting in the morning, in the hot sun. Yeah. You throw in the wild card that is Ryan Lochte to that scenario. You're going to get some hard partying. That is, uh, well... You know, uh, are there are there any lessons for them, Julie? You think, or this is just? I know you've always said that royalty is ridiculous. Royalty is ridiculous, and I think Harry uh, just t- you know t- took it up a notch with his uh, with his summer vacation, Monica. That this is uh, <laughs> this is what he's done. Everybody, the Brits had had such a wonderful summer. When you think they about did. About the Jubilee, they had that big regatta, of course, the Olympics, they had the Queen, you know, the Queen's birthday was great. You know, Kate's got that incredible hair. It was, it's all (laughs) going so well for them. So, you know, he's just got to do this. He's got to act up. I have seen no formal apologies at all. No, I think he's pretty happy with his neck itself. (laughs) Again, 27-year-old prince definition of nothing to lose. That's my, that's my feeling about that. Okay. Let's talk about our own, um, American royalty. Why not? I think there is a very excellent juxtaposition in the news over the last couple of days of the Armstrongs. And I'm talking about Neil versus Lance. Of course, we had the story just yesterday that Neil Armstrong died, 82 years old, uh, first man on the moon, just an amazing story. So like Neil Armstrong, sort of everything you would want a hero to be over the course of his whole life. And then you've got Lance Armstrong, which is just a killer, isn't it? To think that someone like that, who you really do want to believe in, was actually cheating as much as he was cheating. And so you just have to kind of, I don't know, give up believing in someone like him. So I was thinking about the Armstrong's Neil versus Lance. And for me, the number one lesson is there are a lot of things you can cheat your way through. You can cheat your way through the Tour de France, uh, obviously, but you can't cheat your way all the way to the moon. So nobody is ever going to be able to take that away from Neil Armstrong, right? There's just no cheating. If you got to the moon, you got there fair and square, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was any blood, blood doping or anything like that. Exactly, Liz. Good yeah. point. Yeah. And that, you know, no one person, yes. I've heard this in all of the interviews over the last 24 hours uh, here in Southern California. Of course, all the JPL people are on the news all the time anyway. Uh, but they all just keep talking about the teamwork. And the reason that Neil Armstrong was so humble about everything is obviously he knew that, you know, you don't get to the moon by yourself, right? There's no one person could have gotten us to the moon. And Neil seemed to know that. The same is true of winning the Tour de France. No one person can win the Tour de France without a team of people, those domestiques, who are, who are supporting you the whole race. But I don't think Lance really knew that. So Lance actually believed that he did it all by himself, or Neil always knew um, that he didn't do it all by himself. And I thought it was incredibly cute what the Neil Armstrong family said last night, which is they want us to just go outside tonight, look up at the moon, and wink at it. So I, that's how sweet is that? It's yeah. just an amazing story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's great. Where And, you know, but Liz, I'm surprised with, you know, with uh, Lance Armstrong that 
um, I've seen that, you know, donations to his foundation are up since the news has come out that he is, you know, that he is not going to go pursue any, for, you know, that he's not going to go into mediation in order to clear his name. Um, so obviously a lot of people still think he's a hero. Uh, do you have a problem with that? Well, here, here's my thing is I think the people that are like the cycling enthusiasts are like the hardcore cycling fans in the United States. It's a relatively small number, but, you know, in Europe, a much bigger number. I think they wrote Lance off a long time ago, that they concluded, especially the French, they concluded a long time ago that he was cheating. And there, the evidence had been building up for years. So the people that were likely to turn against him turned against him years ago. And the other people, because of the deftness with which he just now kind of stepped away, he didn't have to go through any kind of hearings where people are going to hear all of the evidence that they had amassed against him. You know, he just managed to say, I can't take this anymore. I'm stepping away. So the people that really do want to believe him in him don't have to be faced with the truth. And so, and I can see why people do believe in him. He's done amazing things for the cancer community, and and you can't really take that away. That is a huge accomplishment. So you know, some people just want to still believe, and he made it possible for them to still believe. So I kind of think that's the dynamic of what's happening here. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think he's a cheater, and I think that you know, when faced with the fact that there were going to be ten witnesses, people that were going to stand up and say they knew he was a cheater, that he, you know, he came up with this sort of audacious um, PR plan that he's stepping away to save the foundation and he's not going to go through it again, as if he was the hero. You know, he was the, you know, he was doing the more noble thing. Mm-hmm. But in fact. I think, you know, he just didn't want to put himself through the awful truth. I just, you know, I think that there are very few athletes that like to admit, you know, that they take drugs, you know, that that's how they, that's how they win. Um, is oh, they the- never, ever, 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 ever admit it. You know, they, that, they just never do. They fight to the death. I mean, they use, the, I mean, he's been using the same defense that Marion Jones used forever. The, I never flunked a drug test. Which is uh, not defense. true. Yeah. So, you know, they're just never going to admit it. In all of my years at Nike, there were, you know, there were a handful of athletes that flunked drug tests and you could sit in a room with them. They would look you in the eye and they would lie to your face. They just can't stand to admit that they did it and that that's, that's what it took for them to win. Or in some, case, some cases, they don't even win by cheating. You know, one of the interesting things about the Lance thing, so they take away all of his titles, but everyone under him, like number two, number three, number five, number seven, they were all cheating too. Exactly, Liz. So now you have what a cheater that's yeah. going to Yeah, so they don't think the that, title. They do not think they're going to be able to award the title to someone else because because there is, it was it was so rampant around the whole sport that you can't turn it around and give it to number two. In most of these years, most of the cases, all the people below him on the podium have already been convicted of cheating. So it's like they're going to just have a blank name on the cup or whatever. That's just that's the terrible part that the whole sport was so rotten from the inside, sort of the way baseball was, you know, where everybody knew that other people were doing it, and it just put so much pressure on the people that. That aren't doing it, it's really sad. Really, really sad. But, you know, he'll be able to step away and maintain some sort of deniability. And it's true that for him to, to continue in his cancer work, it gives him some credibility to do that.
Okay, so as you think, you know, as, as a marketing guru and as a PR expert, you think that he now still has a public life and that he can still, you know, be successful in his public life. Uh, I don't know, in, in other, you know, raising money for cancer and doing things for his foundation and other athletic sports? I totally believe that. I'm not sure other athletic sports. I'm not sure anyone's going to pay him any kind of endorsement deal to compete again. Because, yeah. you know, once you're really caught cheating, that people, sports companies do not take kindly to that. They can put up with a lot of bad behavior. But cheating is where people... This real sports companies really draw the line. So I can't imagine that that's going to happen. Um, but I noticed even Nike, obviously, he's had a long-term deal with Nike. Nike said they will continue to support his work in the cancer community. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, Liz. Well, uh, let me turn now and, and ask you about another – well, she wasn't a cheater, but she was a convicted felon. And that, <laughs> <laughs> that is Martha Stewart. Well, I'm feeling very sorry for today, Liz, because there was a big story in the front page of the Wall Street Journal this week about Martha Stewart and her empire is kind of crumbling. First of all, Martha turned 71. Her television show is off the air. The magazine is sort of shrinking, as all magazines are, despite our sister Leanne's um, effort to save the magazine uh, industry by buying magazines. Um, she has gone from having, you know, Martha Stewart Omni Media that was at one point worth $1.7 billion. Now she, it's only worth $200 million. And she has lost money at her company for the last eight years running. Mm. Martha, Martha, Martha's in a lot of trouble here. And um, I, so, again, is there any way? I, I just felt, you know, because, you know, they were saying in the article that maybe people are just, they don't want perfection, that they're moving on. They want, they now have younger, you know, people that are doing cooking and, ho- you know, housewares and decorating. And uh, then maybe they're doing it in a less perfect way. Um, and that Martha's time has sort of come and is now gone. Well, that's interesting because, uh, yeah, Martha definitely represents perfection because she puts herself out there as perfect. But if you really thought about it, Martha was like the first wave of the DIYers. You know, all the people now that are raising chickens on their roofs in Brooklyn and, you know, making, making all their children's clothes themselves out of hemp and all of that kind of stuff. When you think about, like, the whole hipster culture, um, all of the, what you see in Portland, everywhere, Monica, right? This sort of urban farming phenomenon. Just like farming and canning, <laughs> growing your own food and growing stuff on your roof. Yes. Yes. Here. Yeah. I mean, if, if you were definitely managing Martha, she was, you can position her as being the first Mm -hmm. person to really do that. I mean, she always had the chickens in the backyard. She was always Mm -hmm. raising her own tomatoes. She was always, she made everything herself. So it came to represent perfection just because she has that kind of annoying personality where she always positioned it as perfect, but it's kind of too bad because it didn't have to be that way. It could have been Martha as the lady bountiful who created this whole movement that the whole next generation has picked up. So how you dial back from that, I don't know. Because you're right. There are a lot of people that have come along behind her that just have have a lot more fun with the whole thing. Martha did always seem to take her chickens very seriously, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yes. It was completely intimidating to most of us. Yes, absolutely. But, but, but I don't think it has anything to do with her age. I mean, there are plenty of 
older people with names on their brands where there are people that are dead. Look at Estee Lauder's dead, right? And she still sells a lot of stuff every year. So, you know, a lot of brands. You kind of have this feeling that when Martha dies, she's still going to be able to come back from the grave to manage, manage her stuff. (laughs) She's going to be pruning the rose bushes. I guess that's part of it too. Martha always made herself very visibly the the CEO and would talk about business stuff a lot instead of just which and it was great that she knew all of that and she did create that whole business herself. I don't take that away, but that's not necessarily what inspires people to like be in your camp or subscribe to your magazine. They, you know, when she was like decorating the china or tablescaping, that's what they want to hear Martha talk about. It's tablescaping, not return on investment. But I don't know. But she did you know, she went to jail and came back and had another boom there. You predicted that would never happen, Julie, right? You I thought did. I did. I did. I was totally wrong about that. And now I just, I feel, I want you to work on it, Liz. I know you have a full-time job and, and a full-time life, but I'd like you to give some thought, some thought to how Martha can like in her golden years, um, regain some of her glory. Okay, maybe it is like a rose bush. Maybe she just needs to prune it all back. Just prune it all back. Do one or two really good things and just let let that be how she kind of puts herself out into the world instead of being omni anything. Maybe omni's over, you know? We tried Satellite Sisters Omni Media and now <laughs> now we're just a podcast. Yeah, we, we, we've been pruned back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. So, uh, yeah. But Monica, you're sounding fresh and perky, just back from a big vacation. What, what happened? Where'd you go? What'd you do? Okay. Well, yeah, I wanted to give you guys my little vacation review. You know, all year I've been storing up my vacation days, and everyone's dream is always to take two weeks in August. Well, I fulfilled that dream this year. I had two weeks off, but the way I did it was I divided it up into two separate weeks. And that's why it worked so well for me because I had a week off. I did all of this nice outdoor activity. I went over to Bend. Uh, I was in Bend, Oregon for two weeks. I had the first week off. Then I came back to work for two weeks, got some stuff done, you know, didn't get too far behind at work. And then before I knew it, I was off again for another week. So I didn't have to have that sort of dreaded feeling at the end of the first week that the summer is over because I knew there was another summer vacation around the corner. And it's only today when I have that dreaded feeling that the <laughs> summer is over. But Monica, just to clarify, you really took two one-week vacations. You didn't actually take a two-week vacation. Right, Julie, that was the point. Yes, two one-week vacations. Okay, uh, okay. Two, two separate weeks. So I, I, was, I was thinking back over the like, sort of the pros and cons of that plan. Well, the pros are um, the milk that I left in the refrigerator at the end of week one. It was still there when I arrived for my second vacation. Nice, uh, nice. Yeah, it hadn't gone sour. There was still some stuff to eat that hadn't gone bad. Um, the other thing was I didn't feel that rushed feeling that first week, like I had to be on the go all the time. I mean, I did do a lot of activities. There was hiking, water aerobics, dinner, but (laughs) I just didn't feel like I had to cram everything into the one week. Right. And what I did on this past week, which was week two, I don't know, vacation B, we'll just call it, Vacation A and Vacation B. Vacation B. At one point on Vacation B, I spent one whole day on the patio. 
just oh. reading, didn't do anything, didn't go anywhere, got up and got a couple of cold drinks, and that was it. Um, so that was really nice. I also read uh, uh, some very good books during my vacation. Anything you would recommend? Okay. Vac- um, during Vacation A, Week A, I read Catherine the Great. Oh, everyone says that's great. I know, Julie. It's a 500-page book, um, the book by Robert Massey. It's it's about 500 pages. I just found it to be a page-turner. You know, I it was uh, how the, you know, Catherine the Great was the Empress of Russia, but she was this 14-year-old German princess who was brought to Russia to be paired up with, you know, this great Duke Peter, who lives, you know, because we went to the Catherine Palace when we went yes, to Russia. We That's true. When we toured Russia, we learned a lot about Catherine that we did not know. Right. And so I felt like I had maybe a little bit of connection to Catherine the Great. But it was more than just the story of she was really an incredible woman um, and had a very fascinating life story. But you got sort of the whole history of Russia which was nice. And, you know, she she was a little bit wild in her day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she, she has a fondness for animals, right? Isn't that true? Fondness for animals. Uh, yes, she did. She also had a fondness for men. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that did not include her husband. Um, she had many favorites, as they used to call them. She had many, she had, I think, 12 lovers in her life. I'll just use that word. Um <laughs> So there was just a lot of, there were a lot of interesting things happening at court. So it was sort of gossipy and, you know, they, she sort of delved into why she was a great leader for Russia and how powerful she was. And she, when she came to Russia, she was uneducated and she educated herself. And anyways, that was a good book. That was a page turner. And then this past week, I read uh, Cheryl Strayed's new memoir called Wild. That sounds like that's, I don't know a single person that hasn't loved that book. And I, I feel like I, this, this week on Vacation B, I read like, two very popular books. I read Wild from Cheryl Strayed, and then I read um, Gillian Flynn's Gone Girl. Oh, I read mystery. both of those books, yeah. Are they, what, would you recommend them? I would recommend them. Now, Wild is the story, Cheryl Strayed, she's a, a writer that lives in Portland. It's a memoir of a time in her life. She was 22. She had made some very bad choices. Her mother had died. She had gone through this divorce. She was broke. And she decided the right thing to do would be to hike the Pacific Coast Trail. Um, So she spent three months backpacking by herself. She had experience camping, but she didn't really have a lot of experience doing a long uh, hike by herself, and she was all alone on the Pacific Coast Trail. And she met other hikers, but it was sort of, you know, how she got her life together. Um, really good. Love the story. Uh, there's a lot of blister talk in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> there's a little bit of blister talk, but what I think is more interesting is uh, she tells the stories of the people, the other hikers she met on the trail, and just she's very honest in the book. She made mistakes in her life, and she put the mistakes in the book. Um, so that is that's a good book. I would recommend that. And then everyone I know is reading this Gillian Flynn's Gone Girl. 
I know. I somehow I knew when you said you read a couple of good books that Gone Girl had to be one of them because every single person I know who's actually read a book on vacation this summer that has been one of the ones they've read. I would say it's like the number one beach read, even though I never went near a beach. Um, So it's a murder mystery. I don't usually read mysteries. Um, I'm not quite at the end, so please don't tell me what happened. (laughs) Okay, Okay, we won't. (laughs) Um, I, I didn't even know it was a mystery. Okay, that's good to know. Yes, it is a mystery. I'll just say, Liz, it's a story about a marriage, and it's written from two points of view. So one chapter is the husband, and the next chapter is the wife. So it alternates back and forth between the husband's story, what he said, and the wife's story, what she said. And there's some twists, and it's very good, very good. So I'm going to be passing that along to people. Now, I would say if there was a con to uh, my vacation plan with this splitting it from the two weeks. Um, Here's what I found out that, you know, we have gone to this every other week garbage collection in Portland. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. So you got out of sync with your garbage? (laughs) Liz, I'm so out of sync, it's not even funny. When they pick up my garbage, so I have missed, like, the last two garbage collections which means that when they pick up my garbage next week and i hope they come and get it uh, i will have eight weeks worth of garbage shoved into one little garbage can i mean the good news is i was away part of the time but i just kept i i I kept missing the day that the pickup day and then it'd be like oh it's another two weeks oh i'll be on vacation that week so that was some poor planning on my part i think next time if i do this i should have just taken my garbage some i should have taken it with me on vacation (laughs) (laughs) so nice to travel with garbage (laughs) it is the back yeah, I have a, a. I can use the dumpster over at my brother's business now, so I could have just brought my garbage with me. So that's what I would. That's what I would do in the future. So anyway. well, it's it's hard when you're planning vacations to realize that you know you have to like ask people at work and get approval and make sure you have coverage for the weekends you're on call and all that kind of stuff. You just forget to check the garbage pickup schedule as a factor in uh, when your vacation should be. I can understand that. It's yeah, and a the hazard going on, Monica, on your street though. You better tell your garbage. You better put a put a nice something nice on top for your garbage people. <laughs> I know. I'm, wor- I'm worried about it, but I, I, there's no way I can open that can now. There's no, no way. I, I'm going to have to take my garbage from this weekend to work with me or something like that. Speaking of work, that was the other con of the vacation. I made the mistake of opening my work email oh. and. Never, never do that. I know. Even though I notified the people that I thought were going to contact me for all my projects, I told them I was going to be on vacation. They kept sending me emails about, the, you know, I said, look, I'm going to be back and I'll reply to all my emails on Monday, August 27th. And they kept sending me things saying the deadline for this is Friday, August 24th. Well, I'm on vacation. I told you that. So I shouldn't have done that because the minute I read them, I could feel all the blood rushing to my face. My heart started pounding and, oh, well, I'll just face the music tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, unless you're in a situation where patients need urgent medical care, I know you that was not Right, and that was not, not the situation, Liz. It was all data and paperwork, which really... 
Why no. don't you bring them some of your garbage, Monica? <laughs> I think that would be, just bring them a little bag, mini, mini bag of garbage for them. And you know, the thing about data, it keeps. It really it does. Was, it's not. It was, there was nothing life-threatening, but they made it seem like, you know, the absolute deadline is last week. Well, that's not going to happen, and it didn't happen. Okay, so tomorrow it's back nose to the grindstone. Good luck with that. Yeah. Hey, sisters, I have to tell you, I had a great conversation with my daughter-in-law. Now, you know my daughter-in-law, Vera, uh, was born in Kyrgyzstan. Uh, she's of Russian descent, and she, she now lives in Dallas, Texas. And uh, she lives, you know, about a mile away, which is so great because that's where my grandchildren are, Alice and Benjamin. And um, I do a lot of babysitting, a lot of filling in. It's part of my, you know, service that I provide as Nana, that I am there for pickups and for, you know, babysitting. And when they have to, you know, they have an evening parents conference, I can babysit. And so Vera and I were getting together and we were going over the fall calendar because the school has started and there's lots of dates. And, and she said, okay, now, would you be able to babysit on September 20th? And I said, yes, sure. Why? What's going on? And she said, well, I'm taking the American citizenship test. Oh, that's so nice. Did you know she was planning to become a citizen? No, I didn't. Well, I knew that at some point she would, she wanted to do that, but I didn't know it was going to be now. And I just, I just started to cry when she said that. She said, yes. She said, I decided, um, she has a green card and she has decided to do that. And she wants to do it now because she wants to vote in the presidential election. Oh, good. Wow. You can do it that fast? I had no idea. If you, if you have a green card, does that mean you can automatically take a citizenship test? I don't know how that actually works. No, there's no it's been a three-year process, Liz. No, and you have to, you know, she has gone. I mean, that's the thing about, like, earning your citizenship. It is a big deal. It started when Vera was living in London, actually. You know, two years before they even moved to the United States, she started going to the U.S. Embassy, filling out all the paperwork, providing documents, going to interviews, doing various things in order to get in line to get a green card. And then once you get a green card, then there are certain things that you have to do as you move, as you progress towards citizenship. And she just, you know, I mean, she just became eligible to take the test, and she decided that she really wanted to vote in the presidential election, that that was going to be really important to her, and, you know, it, it really counted. I didn't ask who she was going to vote for. I mean, I mean because that's... that's it's her. none of your business. It's none of my business. You know, as a citizen, you get to vote for whoever you want. Um, but so she, you know, she is... She, that's what she's lined up to do. But there's been a lot of stuff in between that you have to do with the Immigration Service um, as part of it. So Now, I remember years ago on Satellite Sisters, we talked about the citizenship test. And there was some stat about how most Americans, like native-born Americans, would actually flunk the citizenship test because it's so hard. Yes, it they give you like 150 questions to prepare. And then from that, a subset is picked for your test, okay? So, so I looked at some of the questions that are, you know, that uh, Vera is now studying. And some, some are pretty easy, sisters. I think we could get them. Like, what are the colors of the flag? <laughs> okay. Okay, okay, that's good. Yeah, okay, got that one. All right. So you figure most people, they're going to get that one. But, okay, how about this one? What country did we fight during the Revolutionary War? 
Now, I'm sure there would be some fall off with that question, that some people might not know that. But it, it goes, it, it does increase in difficulty to talk about like things like how many changes of, of or how many changes or amendments have there been to the Constitution. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay, so there's some questions that are, you know, increase difficulty. Right. Who has the power to declare war? I, I'm not sure that most Americans could answer that question, mm-hmm. okay, or name one of your First Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you see, it, it does get difficult, difficult. But she is totally well. Psyched. Of course, in oh no, that's the Second Amendment. I was going to say in Texas, isn't it all like it's all you just have a right to own a gun and do whatever you want with your gun, right? Right, and run around <laughs> naked, Liz. <That's> No, 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 I'm only kidding. Yes. Right. Well, I think that there are there are definitely you 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 stray into like the are you smarter than an eighth grader or smarter than a fifth grader zone with some of these questions. The kind of stuff that you would have known when you were 12, but that was a long time ago. You know. So, but I'm very excited about that. I know she's very, you know Vera's very smart, and she said that she did as when she was learning English, she did study a lot about the American system of government. So she, you know, she's not, she's not that concerned about it. So she really feels like she's going to do okay on the test. She's taking it very seriously. And then I want to have a big party for her to put yes. um, an American citizen. Don't you say out the red, white, and blue, Julie. <laughs> Those are the colors on the flag. You should definitely have a giant barbecue in that backyard. I know that's what I want to do. So that's fun. That's my plan. So I don't know. I've got to ask her, like, I don't know how long after you take the test when you go to your swearing-in ceremony. You know, you've seen that. You right. Know, that's been on Law & Order, NCIS. They always have the swearing-in <laughs> ceremony. always makes me cry. When Ziva got her American citizenship on NCIS, that was really <laughs> So I, I, I just know. So, But I definitely, I definitely want to do something very special for Vera for becoming an American citizen. I think it's a really neat thing. That is, is really cool. Good for her. All right. I know we're winding down on the summer, so I have a summer movie recommendation I want to make before it's too late because <laughs> we only have like another week uh, to get in on some of these summer movies. And there have been a lot of good, small indie movies this summer, I feel like. Like I've seen a bunch of things that I enjoyed, but just Friday night I saw one that I really, really liked a lot. It's called Celeste and Jesse Forever. And it stars Rashida Jones, you know, who was so great. She's so great in everything that she's in. She's in the office. She was in the social network. She's just, like, smart and funny and beautiful to look at. She is the daughter of Quincy Jones and Peggy Lipton. So, really, how can you go wrong with that? You know, if that's if that's where you came from. But she also co-wrote this movie. And uh, it's about a couple in the process of getting divorced, but they still love each other. And I just thought it was really fun. And, you know, in the Satellite Sisterhood, we like to support movies, you know, made by women or about women. So if you get a chance to see Celeste and Jesse forever, go see that. And the romantic, the guy playing her husband, I was skeptical that Andy Samberg of Saturday Night Live could be like a good romantic lead, but he actually kind of pulled it off. You know, she's great, and I would say he is very, very good. So if you want to squeeze in another good movie this summer, Celeste and Jesse Forever would be my recommendation. 
Okay. It ends, Liz, is it happy, happy ending, sad, bittersweet ending? I would say, I would put it in the bittersweet category. It is, uh, it's sort of an unconventional story. Uh, everybody turns out okay, but not necessarily in the way that you expect. So it is, you know, sweet, bittersweet, smart, funny, thoughtful, all of the above. Well, I saw a movie with a bittersweet ending this week also. Uh, another that? indie movie I saw, Ruby Sparks. I am dying to see that. That could be my next weekend movie, Monica. Uh, another sweet, romantic, uh, independent film. It was written by Zoe Kazan, and she stars in it with her real-life boyfriend, Paul Dano. And it's a very – he's a writer, and he has writer's block. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, maybe I won't even go any further. Anyways, he meets Ruby Sparks – there's a romance, a bittersweet ending. It's a sweet, independent film. Um, Antonio Banderas is in it. <laughs> oh, nice. Cameo, yeah. cameo by Antonio Banderas. Um, so I, it was a very sweet movie. Okay. okay. Recommend well, I, feel, I feel obliged to talk about the indie movie I saw, Beasts of the Southern Wild, but which I've gotten the title wrong all week. I was like, it's like the Southern Wild of the Beast. Or those yes. Beasts. Okay. It's a hard title, Julie. It's, it's a magical mystery okay. tour, that movie. <laughs> it is, and it's, uh, it, it really, it profoundly affected me. That's all that I just really, I, I you know, the characters seem so real in this movie. I, I can't say that I loved it and i i don't know i don't know to recommend it because it 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 moved me very profoundly it's about a you know a family a father and a daughter that live in the bayous of louisiana and it's an amazing story and it's amazingly beautiful isn't it just that they're just one of those movies that is totally visually captivating even though sometimes you can't really understand what's happening right (laughs) yes or or you can't remember the name of the movie. So I don't <laughs> And a Southern, okay, just do your best. Just Google it and put in two of the four words you should come out with the name of the movie. <laughs> right, and it starts that little girl named Hush Puppy. You can just Google <laughs> Hush Puppy and you'll, you'll find that movie. Yeah, I would recommend that one too. Okay, I have uh, one other issue I've been dealing with um, this week, which never, ever happens to me. But I have actually had a sick dog all week. You oh, know, Ferris never gets sick. He never gets sick, Monica, ever, ever. I've had Ferris. He's nine years old now. He was like one when I adopted him. He's never once been sick except for that bout last fall with the butt. Anxiety. Yeah, the butt biting, you know, butt, biting his own butt raw. Um, but that's not really a sickness. That was clearly some sort of, um, yeah, anxiety reflex to uh, whatever was going on in his little doggy brain. But uh, last week I noticed that he was, that every single day he threw up in the morning. And, uh-huh. you know, dogs throw up. It's not that big a deal. But for seven days in a row, that kind of got my attention. So Monday night after work, I took him to the vet and the vet said, you know, he looks so healthy. If you didn't tell me he was sick, I wouldn't be able to, I would just guess that you were here for a well dog visit. And I'm thinking, oh, I didn't even know there was such a thing. I'm supposed to be bringing him in for a well dog visit. <laughs> like, okay, whatever. Uh, 
is. Good work. Okay, going. <laughs> Eight years in, they tell me. Okay, who knew? Dogs needed an annual physical. Uh, so the, the vet prescribed just an antacid. Uh, he said it might just be something upsetting his stomach, and it's literally doggy pepsid. It says Pepsid right on the right on the bottle. So he said, give give this to him twice a day and an anti-nausea medication, and we'll see how that goes. Well, then he went on a complete hunger strike. So that oh. was I took him to the vet Monday night. He didn't eat anything at all Tuesday. He didn't eat anything at all Wednesday, and he didn't eat anything at all Thursday. So then you know you're in trouble. But the yeah. total indication that we had to go back to the vet was Friday morning. I was out walking him, and he's really moping around now. And you know the way terriers are when it comes to squirrels. Squirrels, or, yes. Or yeah. Squirrels. So he, we were walking up the sidewalk. A squirrel literally walked in front of him, like probably like right off the end of his nose, not more than a couple of inches from the end of his nose, just doop de doop de doo squirrel across the sidewalk. <laughs> Ferris did not react at all. That's oh. when I knew I had an emergency on my hands. So, so we went back to the vet, and he said, well, now we do have a problem, because if a dog hasn't eaten in three days, then they get really dehydrated, which I did not know, because he had been drinking a lot. But he said, no, they need food for that, too. So I had to leave him in the dog hospital, the animal hospital, overnight Friday and again Saturday. But Friday night, they did these tests, and Saturday morning when I called, they said his blood work is fine. It was obviously just some, like, intest- some GI tract thing that they could clear up. They said he probably just ate something rancid off the street, and that's what sort of stuck in there. Um, he ate dead squirrel, no doubt. <laughs> but he doesn't even do stuff like that. He Anyway, so so I went and I picked him up, him up this morning, and... Maybe something hidden in your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> hidden in the couch, Liz. It could, rancid food item. It could be. If he was looking around in the refrigerator, he'd find that. <laughs> so the only thing, so now he's back home and he's, I would say, 80% there. But the thing that made me really sad when I picked him up, it's like he wasn't excited to see me at all. And I thought, okay, now he's really oh, mad at me. Oh. Now he thinks oh, it's... Oh, no, he just doesn't feel well, Liz. That's why he's yeah. not... You know know. what's so sad, Julie? I realized, like, I brought him home. We went for a walk. I was like, what feels so different? Besides sort of a general lack of enthusiasm. And I realized his tail wasn't wagging at all. His tail is... He's not watching CNN? He doesn't... (laughs) No, he's not. No, he's just like on his little dog bed and he'll look up at me. But, you know, normally when your dog looks up for you and their their tail starts to wag. And so we're missing the tail wag. So somehow I got to like nurse him back to No, no, no. Here's the answer, Liz. He needs cooked food. He is, he wants, he wants like chicken chicken and rice. Yeah, he wants chicken and rice or lamb and rice. You need to start cooking some food for this dog that's what he needs i'm telling you that is the vet tell you that because when my yes yes that stomach like to cook him some hot food like like make some make him lamb and rice or chicken rice yeah not only did he tell me to cook him chicken and rice on friday night when i when i talked to him and said um and he said he was gonna keep him there overnight he said, this is when you know that maybe you're going to a vet that's a little too high-end for what, what you need. He said, yeah, we're just going to run out, run out to Ralph's and get him a roast chicken. <laughs> I was like, really? 
The vet is going to get rotisserie chicken from the local grocery store. Oh, my God. <laughs> For some reason, that just really made me laugh. That seemed ludicrous. That That's there's... what older dogs like hot food, Liz. Yes, yes. Oh. yes. Anyway, but oh, oh, one other piece of good news. Remember at the beginning of the year, I told you that for me, I applied for long-term care insurance, and for Ferris, I applied for health insurance, and yes. then I got turned down, but he got approved. So yes. this is good. So this, whatever is happening now, at least he's he's insured. Okay. And uh, a couple of nights in the doggy hospital with the catering from Ralph's. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure the health insurance pays for the roast chicken from uh, from Ralph's, but but other than that, so we're just going to have to coax him back to tail wagging condition, and uh, that's what I'm working on for for the next couple of days. I think we can get him now. Yeah, look on the bright side. If you make chicken and rice tonight, you can have it for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got your dog meal and you got your human meal in the same meal. Liz, I would ease up on the balsamic vinegar because <laughs> I know that's like your favorite seasoning. Just, just back off on that because dogs aren't as crazy about that. Keep it plain. Keep it simple. Just yeah, very, very bland. I know that's what I'm going to do for him tonight. So I think uh, another couple of days we should be good to go, uh, and that's that. Oh, and then the last thing I want to mention. And that, you know, during the summer, we've been talking to you about our roller coaster report. The fact that our father is very sick, he has um, advanced Alzheimer's, and we moved him to a 24 7 care facility in June. And we've been giving you installments about the, the roller coaster that that is. We've had some really good weeks and some really, really bad weeks. But, but this week has been really an okay week. It is that we haven't had any giant emergencies this week. Uh, he seems to be settled a little bit. I went over to see him in the middle of the week. Our mom was just there to see him today with Leon and our brother Brendan. And I feel like this is one of those weeks where the roller coaster is going like neither wildly up or wildly down. So that is a good thing. We got a bunch of nice letters from you. There was one particularly useful letter. I wish I had printed it out so I had your name, but a woman who wrote to us about she had had dementia in her family and she sent us a link to a special website where you can buy clothes for people that have dementia because they really, really do have a hard time getting dressed. And, you know, we've all tried to dress dad and, you know, it's like he can't button a shirt or pull up his pants on his own, but also he doesn't even necessarily understand the instructions when we're trying to help him, right? Right. No, it's very difficult. And, you know, from like putting socks on to, you know, getting stuff over his head, it's, it's more difficult than dressing a newborn baby. I mean, you just, you know, he, he can't follow any directions, you know, to raise your arms or to step into things. So it makes it very, very difficult, Liz. And it's just one of those things that I never would have thought of that, you know, I mean, we've all read about the disease, about what, what Alzheimer's patients go through and what their caregivers, which includes all of us in the family, go through. But, you know, nobody had ever mentioned this particular piece of it. So it was very helpful to get that email from you. Thank you very much. And for everyone who has been writing in and supporting us, um, we really, it means a lot to us and it's very useful. So, so that's, that's this week's roller coaster report. We've, we had a, we had a pretty good week. Anything, you guys haven't have anything big planned for the end of the summer? Any big, uh, Labor Day, uh, festivities going on? Monica, Julie, anything? 
I'm just trying to, like, a lot of mosquito spray. That's what we got going here. We got going in Dallas. We're just, you know, now that is the accessory that everybody has. You know, uh, you look in people's pocketbooks, they have a can of mosquito spray because uh, we're pretty serious about the West Nile virus. So um, that's that's what I got going, Liz. <laughs> okay. No, yeah. I, I have a three-day weekend coming up. I'm just counting the days till my next mini vacation. <laughs> that would be that would be vacation C, Monica. Please, that will vacation C. Before vacation C, okay. Oh, I'm actually trying to. We get we have a half a day Friday of this week for Labor Day weekend, and I'm going to really go for it and see if I can take the whole day off. That's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm shooting for. We'll we'll see how that goes. Anyway, well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, remember, you can always email us sisters at satellitesisters.com if there's something you want to tell us privately. Uh, that's a good way to do it. If there's something you want to post publicly on the Satellite Sisters. Facebook group. Go for it. Uh, We love knowing that all of you are out there. And uh, call your satellite sister.